My name is Tim Heist. If you don't know me, I'm a student ministry pastor here at Timberline Church and been here for seven years of ministry and I have not gone bald yet. Yeah, it's coming though. Okay. Um, so yeah, married to a wonderful woman, Melissa. Here's a picture of us. Um, thankful for her. There it is. Okay. Okay. Um, thankful for her. I love my job. I got a really good gig. I get to spend time with students, with adults, together, and invest in their lives. This last year, we spent time with about 750 middle school, high school students in Fort Collins and Windsor. It's amazing to see what happens when our leaders really go hard and invest well into students' lives. Um, So we want to take some time this weekend to kind of pause as we go back to school. I love interaction. I'm used to teaching middle school, high school students. So if you feel the need to just leave, that's fine. Um, Or get up, whatever. Um, But students, students in the house, get ready. Um, We know that school is about to begin. You can boo. You can boo students. Uh, Okay. Um, Parents, we know school is about to begin. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) That's funny. Teachers, we know school is about to begin. Hold on to summer. You got like two days if you're teaching in PSD. Um, really appreciate teachers, admin, coaches, child care providers out there. We're thankful for you guys. Celebrate um, you and thankful for all that you're doing. But no matter where we are, whether we're still in school, we're out of school, we have kids in school, grandkids in school, nieces or nephews, whatever it looks like, wherever you are, um, this weekend I want to invite you to just pretend like this is a living room, a place we can be together. And we can see what God may have for us as we enter this fall season. Um, To start that time, we'd like to do this. Turn to the person next to you, not yet, not yet, and share where you went to high school or middle school and what town. For me, um, Bible Baptist School, go Bobcats, um, Shiremanstown, Pennsylvania. There you go. Turn to whoever you're by. Where did you go to high school? What town was it in? Awesome. And for your viewing pleasure, a photo of yours truly, 10th and 11th grade. Wait for it. Oh, <laughs> there you are. I didn't actually learn how to smile until I turned 18. So be nice to me. Um, so there you go. Also, my wife and I actually met through high school. Here's a picture of us back. Oh, oh awesome. Cool. Well, hey, this weekend. Timberline Student Ministries, middle school, high school, has a few drivers. A few things that we say, hey, these are so vital, so vital to our lives, our leaders' lives, our students' lives, that we wanted to share, with, share them with you today. We want to take a little bit of time and look at three things, also coupled with three stories from students that you may know, and three narratives or pieces of Peter's life um, from the Bible. So the first point, if you're in your bulletin, Pull that out, or your program, pull that out. Point number one, Jesus invites us to follow him. Driver number one, point number one, Jesus invites us to follow him. Matthew four eighteen through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, 
Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Okay, a little context. First century Jewish education, it was a huge deal for them to follow a rabbi. The entire goal, starting at age five-ish, was for them to progress through the ranks, through one, two, and three, and be such a good student that they would spend all of their time moving into the rabbi's house. That was the goal. If, you had a, if you're a parent and you had a student that made it through these things, it was huge. You would be so proud. Your son is going to be a rabbi or the next big teacher. So a little background. Three stages they had. If you're ages five to ten in the room, give me a little wave. Any five to ten-year-olds in here? There's a couple. All right. Hey, what's up? Okay, here you go. Ages 5 to 10, they were in the first stage of Jewish education, first century, called Bet Safar. And in Bet Safar, they would spend their entire time memorizing, memorizing the first five books of the Bible. So here you go. The first five books were called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorizing. If you're 10 in here and don't have that done, come on. <laughs> Crazy. And what would happen? The best students would progress out. The ones that couldn't pull it off, couldn't pull the memorization off, they would stay in that age group or they would drop out and they would join the family business. Okay, number two. This is ages 10 to 14. Any 11 middle school students, where are you at? Where are you at? Yeah, there you are. Okay, here you go. Ages 10 to 14 called Bet Talmud. And what they would do is memorize, get ready, the rest of the entire Old Testament. Psalms and Proverbs included. Okay, so that goes through right about there. Right about there. They would have all of that memorized. And they would begin to study and study and repeat and repeat and study and study and repeat. And they were in this crazy cycle, this rhythm. What happened? If they couldn't make the cut, if they didn't measure up, they stayed there. Or they dropped out and joined the family business. Okay, number three. Bet Midrash, 14 plus. High schoolers in the house. High schoolers or or college, or college, high school, college, okay, there's a couple out there, um, bet midrash, and it would be only the best performers would be invited by a rabbi to that one. They would have a whole Old Testament memorized, and they, what would happen is the rabbi would invite them to move into their home, students, don't, don't get ideas, you're not moving in with me, they'd move into their home, and they would learn the rabbi's way. Okay, the way he would read scripture, the way we do interpret scripture, his laws, his life, they would learn everything. Right? Some would say they would just want to sit in the shadow of their rabbi just to learn and soak it all up. Only the best made it. So we, we hop back to Matthew 4. Peter didn't make the cut. He didn't measure up. He was a fisherman in the family business. And we have this picture that Jesus, a rabbi of the day, walks up and he says, Peter, come follow me. For me, very easy decision. I hate fishing. I could get into it. I'm terrible. Just terrible. If you fly fish, I'd love to learn. Okay, I hate fishing. I'm terrible. I'd be like, yep, I'm in. Jesus, sure. Let's do this. Right? What happens? Peter drops out of school. He becomes a fisherman. Jesus invites him to follow him. For us today, for me, it's easy for me to get caught into this cycle of religion. Right? Memorize, memorize, memorize. Don't make the cut. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. For me... It's usually do something, do something, do something, try to appease a guy that I feel like I've disappointed, realize I don't measure up, and here we go. Cycle after cycle after cycle. But we see that Jesus does something different. That He steps out of that and he looks into Peter's life and says, hey, 
It's okay that you don't measure up. It's okay you feel like you dropped out. Come follow me. Come spend time with me. Come see who I am. So where are you at? Do you feel like you get caught in that cycle? That I don't measure up. I can't make the cut. Maybe it was even uncomfortable to come to church today because you're like, I probably shouldn't be here. Don't feel like I'm good enough to be here. I get that. But Jesus says to you, come follow me. Come spend time with me. Come see who I am. Come see what I'm all about. This summer, we had an awesome opportunity to go on a high school camping trip. If you're a middle school, high school student and haven't been on a TSM retreat, get on one. We'll pay for you if you need to. Just get on one of these camps. They are life-changing. And we had a high school student come in this camp, and he went on our ski trip last January, February, and we, we, we told him the gospel, and he was like, ah, no. And we're like, okay. And we still said, hey, come hang with us, be with us. He comes on our summer camp. And on summer camp, we have a great picture for you. We're in Buena Vista, and the last night of the camp, we talk about an invitation to follow the adventure of Jesus, to take the step to the come follow me. Here's what he said, a little quote. I came on this summer camp to hang with some friends, comma, mostly the girls, comma, (laughs) and to raft with my boys. But when I got here, I saw that God was real. I want to take the first step of adventure with Jesus. You see, he got it. Just like Peter, he didn't know what it meant. He didn't know what was going to change. He didn't truly know who Jesus was at that point. But he said yes to, I will follow. I will be with you. Just like the Jewish student and the rabbi, I want to sit at your feet and see what this thing is all about. Point number two. Jesus initiates our transformation and defines who we are. Jesus initiates our transformation and defines who we are. We fast forward in Peter's life and we pick up here in Matthew 16, verse 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, okay, we got to pause there. Caesarea Philippi, northernmost border, okay, he took them there. So picture you go to the border of a country, you're on the edge, and Jesus is teaching with that in focus. Okay, so they weren't like in a circle looking at themselves. He's teaching and they're looking out to a place they are not currently. Here we are. So they're in the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked the disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Who do they say Jesus, who I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. For all of us, students in the room, middle school, high school, college, we see it most in your age. But for all of us, we come to this point in our lives where we say, who am I? We face the identity question. When I was in middle school, high school, all I wore was one brand, American Eagle, and it made no sense. I dressed like a California surfer and grew up in a cornfield. I I can't explain it, but we're all searching for that identity piece. Maybe you've had a child recently. Maybe your kids have moved out recently. Maybe you're sending one off to college. Maybe you're a grandparent. These different stages of our lives make us ask this question, who am I? What am I about? Jesus had two questions. In your, in your program, you'll see it. The first one, who do I say Jesus is? 
Right? Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Who do I say Jesus is? Number two, who does Jesus say that I am? Who does Jesus say that I am? In our culture, when we, when we struggle with these identity things, we often look into ourselves. If we look at media and movies, this all goes back to yourself, right? Toy Story 1, Jessie's in the box, and she's like, who am I? Who are my parents? And she's struggling to identify who, who she is, right? In The Lion King... Simba's in the pool, right? And he's trying to figure out my father has died. Who am I become? Can I be him? And what happens? Rafiki takes him to the pool. And what does Rafiki say? Look deeper, right? And he's like, I'm looking at a pond. Look deeper, right? What is it? He's saying, hey, look inward. Look deeper. Okay, Kung Fu Panda 3. These are solid cultural references, by the way. (laughs) I am very cultured. Kung Fu Panda 3. Any Kung Fu Panda fans? Come on. All right, good. There's nothing better than Kung Fu Panda and some Mary's Mountain Cookies. It doesn't... It's, okay. Kung Fu Panda 3. Poe is supposed to be the next big Kung Fu Panda and change everything. And what happens? He doesn't know who he is. He's overweight. He can't figure it all out. Master Shifu, okay, walks in and pretty much coaches him to go to a cave for 30 years and look at himself deeper and look deeper. Our culture... When you don't know who you are, you look deeper. Jesus said something completely different. And when Peter's sitting down, he realizes instead of looking, who am I, Peter? Oh, I'm a failure. I dropped out of school. I'm I'm a not great fisherman, right? But Jesus says, no, but you're not. That's when you look to yourself. But when you look to me, you begin to see who I see that you are going to become, who you are going to become, not what you are now, but who you will be when you look to me. So the question, who do you say that I am? This is the first time in 16 chapters that Jesus asked this question. It's super interesting to think that he spent six months, a year, we're not sure time-wise, but 16 chapters of the Gospel of Matthew for them to ask the question. He said, hey, come be with me, follow me, figure out who I am. But he never said, you have to confess this is true. You have to confess what this is about. A commentator, Dale Bruner, has something really interesting to say. Here's his quote. If the first disciples were not asked to make their confessions of Jesus until considerable exposure to him, our friends should not have to make their decisions about him either until they have been with us a while. Interesting. It brings us hope. It also brings us responsibility. Hope for those of us that have close friends or family that right now are around the Jesus thing, but not really confessing that he is truly who he is or allowing Jesus to identify who they are. It also brings us responsibility to be the church, and to be a good example of what God's called us to be. Hope, responsibility. For some of us in the room, we have to pause and we have to think about that question. Who do I say Jesus is? Peter had it figured out. He didn't understand what it meant. He wouldn't have it perfect. We figure out later that he's going to mess up a lot of times. But here's how he answered. He said, you are the Christ. You are the ultimate one, the answer to the problem, the king of the kingdom. Jesus, the one that when we're most broken can step in, the one that when we're separated because of the things in our life, we can be reconnected to God, changes everything. And Peter had a moment where he said, this is who you are. For us in this room, maybe you've been around, you've done the come follow, you've been around church a long time. Maybe it's time you need to answer the question, who do I actually say that Jesus is? For some of us in here, maybe we've answered that question. 
we also have that responsibility to help others truly see who he is. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. The second question, who does Jesus say that I am? Who does Jesus say that I am? Picking up again, Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That word Peter means stone. Okay, growing up with the flannel graph, you always have like a big boulder. If you translate it in Greek, it actually means like stone used for building, which is very interesting, because I always picture Peter as the perfect, be like Peter. But we realize that Peter, when he looked at Jesus, he got it. When he didn't, he made mistakes. But he's a stone that God began to use. Jesus gives him a really cool nickname. I love nicknames. In my life, I've had a couple. Um, in middle school, I was a little hefty, and my coaches at soccer used to call me Tank. So there you go. Um, more recently, Justin Matthews, our beloved middle school pastor, calls me Slimbo Slice. Don't know why. I also have an alter ego that our students have created named Jim Feist. Not Tim Heist, but Jim Feist. There you go. Um, Adam, who was up here earlier, we call Poe, Poe Chain. Some call Corn Fed Mule. You can see where that comes from. Um, last names are great nicknames, right? Foth, Lucas. I have a great friend, Sims. Um, nicknames are powerful. They can be powerful for good, like Jesus used, or powerful for bad. They can sit with us for a long time. Some of us here may have had times in our lives where our parents, grandparents, a coach, has given us a nickname that we can't get past. And I want to remind you tonight that Jesus, remember, look at Peter, doesn't see us where we are but sees us who he's making us to be. Peter, if he held on to his nicknames or where he was in life, the fisherman, he would be defined by who he was in the past. The disciple, he would be defined by who he hung out with or who he followed. The betrayer, he would be defined by what he has done. And the rock, he'd be defined by what Jesus says he will be. Fothan Batterson wrote a book, The Trip Around the Sun, and they had a really, really cool observation where they said, hey, Jesus, in his, in his writings, every nickname he uses is always prescriptive, not descriptive. Be reminded today that you've been created by God, that you are beautiful, that you are important, that you are valuable, that God's given you purpose. Be reminded that he has a nickname, like he gave to Peter, right? Peter didn't have it figured out. He was growing into it. That God sees us like that. This summer we got to go on a camp. We got another camp. It was a royal family kids camp where we said we're going to take a week to invest into foster students in Larimer County. We took 10 high school students with us. And during that week our goal was to serve them the best that we can. We had a really cool opportunity where a student named Kyla um, was with us. And Kyla, when she began to look to Jesus just like Peter... She began to see what he had for her. Check out the story. I'm Kyla Watson, and I'm a senior in high school. And uh, I was a part of the junior staff at uh, RFK. And RFK was an amazing experience for me. I loved being a part of um, just these kids' lives for a week and being a big sister. And, um, before RFK, I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. Um, I just kind of was thinking maybe I would work, or I didn't know, and I just didn't really feel like God was telling me what I was supposed to do. And um, But one night at RFK, I was laying in bed, and I just felt like God was really telling me to 
um, keep doing this after RFK, that I was supposed to um, be work with foster kids um, after high school, and I don't really know exactly what path I'm going to do, like, if I'm supposed to be a social worker, if I'm supposed to do foster care someday, but I know this is the direction that God is telling me I need to do, and a week just wasn't enough for me, so I'm super excited to do more and to just serve God in this and work with foster kids. Yeah, so there you go. Awesome. Incredible story of when Kyla, a student, took time to focus on Jesus. She began to see who she was and what she should do. For all of us, where are we at? Two questions. Who do I say Jesus is and who does he say that I am? Maybe right now you're like, dude, I have no clue who I am. I'm doing the best I can do to figure that out. That's okay. Peter was in those shoes, but he took time to define who Jesus was and in turn, Jesus gave him purpose and value and defined who he was. It would be awesome if all of us had an experience like Kyla. And we're like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. That's it. This is what God's called me to do in my life. But not all of us have that experience. And some of us are on a journey to determine what God has for us. And some of us just need to keep our eyes focused on who Jesus is and be faithful every day there. And that's what God's called us to do. The third point. Jesus includes us in his kingdom mission. Jesus includes us in his kingdom mission. As I close, I think it's super important that we see where Peter went from here, okay? So we have the beginning, come follow me. Later on, we have the confession, him saying who Jesus is. Soon after that, we pick up the story around the, the Passion Week where Peter denies who Jesus is three times. He's walking around, and he denies that he knows Jesus. He denies he's connected with him in any way. Crucifixion happens. Resurrection happens. And we see a picture, again, of what happens there. Peter and Jesus are on the beach, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he says, of course I love you. He says, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Peter was on a journey, okay? And it wasn't up and to the right. It'd be nice if we were always going one, one way, but it was all over. And he was some steps forward, some steps back. But what happened? Jesus, again said, hey, it's not what you've done. It's not you failed religiously. It's who I am making you when you keep your eyes focused and grounded on me. So we pick up the story. Peter, from there, the ascension happens. Peter begins to be the rock. Peter begins to be this foundation that Jesus uses and the Holy Spirit uses to build the church. So we pick it up, Acts 2, 38 through 42. And this is the end of a sermon that he's preaching, Acts 2. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized, and 3,000 were added to the number that day. Okay, check it out. Come follow me. Who do you say I am? This is who you are. Motion. Now go and do and be who God's called you to be. Peter's life, when he looked at Jesus, was given purpose and value. And he had an opportunity to invest and to build his life. We are only the church when we're in motion. We're not designed to come and meet on Sunday mornings and that's it. The moment in the week. We're designed to be in movement all through our lives. 
For a lot of us, we may feel stuck or stagnant in our faith. And I think serving and investing your life is one of the best ways to put your faith back into action. It's one of the ways that Peter realized, hey, if this is who Jesus says I am, then I have to do something with this. I have to apply this. I have to be in motion. I can't just sit by knowing that it's true. We had another student that went with us to this, the foster camp, Royal Family Kids Camp, this summer named Bryce Sims. Sims. And Sims had an incredible week where he said, I believe in who Jesus is. I'm looking to him for what I should do. But when he put his faith into action, things changed. Check out his story. Hi, my name is Bryce Sims. I go to Fort Collins High School, and I go to Timberline Student Ministries. This summer, I was lucky enough to be able to do the Royal Family Kids uh, mission trip, and I had a very life-changing experience. I had another experience with another camper, and he'd been really, really hard to work with the whole, the whole time of the camp. But <clears throat> as it kept going on, people found out, like they started to realize that why it was so difficult was because that as he was growing up, his biological father had told him that people who believe in Jesus are wrong, they're crazy, you shouldn't trust them. And here we are sitting at a camp where the entire base of it is Jesus and the fact that he loves you in the way that his message is supposed to be spread is through teaching. So as we're all, all the other kids are having fun, all the campers are having fun, he's sitting there and he's miserable because He's been taught that everything that we're preaching is wrong. So as we get down through the, further the camp, he just wants to keep leaving and leaving and leaving. And the night before he leaves, the director of the camp went up to him and he said, hey, what was that you were saying? I noticed you were saying something. And he goes, nothing can spread us from your love. And that was the Bible verse of the camp. It was just to teach the kids that nothing can separate us from Jesus' love. He, it seemed to me, at least, that he really accepted at least a little part of Jesus between reciting the Bible verses and asking us to pray. And I really think that that was the Lord working within us. I don't think that was anything that we did. I think that was something that God did within us as people, and it was our opportunity to be able to give him that light that Jesus shines. Yeah, amazing, right? When we take time to keep our eyes focused, to ground ourselves on who Jesus is, maybe through spiritual practices, prayer, scripture, meeting together, whatever it looks like, when we do that, we begin to understand who we are and what to do with that. Student ministry is structured very much that with adult leaders and students. And almost every area of Timberline is structured that way, that we're meant to share and invest our lives. If you're not giving your life away somehow now, whether at Timberline, in the community, in your family, whatever it looks like, I want to encourage you to find a way to invest and give away your life. To figure out who you are, who Jesus is, and give that away. For Sims, a big piece, he didn't say it much, but a big piece of him figuring out some of that identity stuff was serving. And when he served, it all started making sense. Give your life away. Let's be a church that's a church that's in motion. Well, as I close, I want to invite you to do this. Would you just close your eyes? And for a second, let's just think about where we are at. This idea that Jesus invites me to follow him. 
to be around him. And maybe today you need to say yes to that. Just to say, Jesus, who are you? Maybe today you feel like you've been around the church thing for a long time. You've been around Jesus' stuff and religion for a long time. But you've never truly said who Jesus is. You've never really had that experience like Peter had to say, you are the Christ. The answer to the problem, the one that brings hope. And today you need to make that decision. Or maybe today you feel stuck or stagnant in your faith. And you need to put it in action. You need to invest it and give it away. Jesus, as we sit here this morning, we are thankful that you are not a God that had stepped into our world and left it forever. But you are a God that pursues and engages with us even today. God, we pray that you would make that invitation come alive. God, we don't always know what it means to say yes to following you, to take that step. We don't always know what it means to allow you to define our lives or give our lives away. But we know that when we look to you and who you are, that you bring us hope and purpose. Father, I pray that you would do that in us today. In your name.